Father, we thank you for revelation that comes to us, that we just unveil truth to us. Every time we gather together, Father, it's a time of revelation and unveiling. So, Lord, we just yield ourselves to you. Open our ears to hear more clearly than we've ever heard before. This is an hour, Father, where there is great deception loose in the earth. And so we thank you, Lord, for keeping your people in a place where they can hear truth, receive it, and walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. So um, we're today we're going to talk about God's daily plan for your life. God's daily plan for your life. I know we always, you know, and I'm not saying anybody uh, isn't aware that God is about something at all times with us. But I think sometimes we can fall into habits that don't really address the fact that we we are uh, on a schedule here on earth. We're in a plan that was formed before the foundation of the earth. This plan that God has for you is not new to him but oftentimes it is new to us I think oftentimes too we uh, are not certain that we're walking in the daily plan of God you know sometimes we we have a day off or we have a day where we're uh, not where we need to be or uh, something is amiss or something something crazy let me give you one that works gee I think this works pretty good Uh, we're not doing exactly what uh, we're we're called to do. We're not sure. Uh, I know there are times when you you might be uh, confused or befuddled, or if things aren't going quite the way you want them to, you're not sure uh, what to do next. Some t- people get restless from time to time in uh, uh, doing the will of God, and and I want to assure you that God does have a plan for your life. Uh, if we walk in the daily plan of God for our lives, uh, we'll, we'll minimize our uh, feelings of maybe um, uh, restlessness or being disgruntled or not knowing which way to go or anything like that. Those will be minimized if we'll uh, do some basic things to just make sure that we're in the daily plan of God. So I thought I'd talk about this a little bit because uh, there are some changes that are happening in the realm of the spirit. There are some alignments that God is doing uh, so that the work of the ministry can get done as far as the end time harvest of souls. Now I know we talk about that all the time but uh, there is um, an increase of anointing coming into the earth. One of the things that if you study Bible history, you study church history, uh, one of the things that is becomes very, very clear to us is that there is a plan that God has for the, uh, the earth to be filled with the knowledge of his goodness and his glory. And we saw when the church began, the early church in the book of Acts, that church began with a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. From time to time, that, that power, even though it is available to believers, everything that God put into the earth is available to us at all times. We just have to learn how to access it. 
And many times because of darkness and deception the church stands away from the power of God because we don't understand how to access that power. That's why we see what we call moves of God you know where the power of God and the word will be preached real freely and then it kind of wanes and it dies out a little bit and then it'll we have what we call revival and that power gets revived and then it'll go down so we have this kind of like roller coaster effect of the power of God that's seen in the earth we we see it you know every change in government is accompanied by a move of God these are parallel things and and many times the move of God there's a stirring in the spirit for these things to happen they just don't change all of a sudden and uh, uh, things just burst forth so there are people in the earth that God has placed there as watchmen and we are part of that group uh, that watch over the affairs of God in the earth and we pray for them which is why many times when things happen you know people are all excited oh you see what God did and then there's some people who are just as calm and everyday about it it's not that they're not you know appreciating it but many times people have seen it so long ago in the realm of the spirit and been praying toward it they're not moved so much on an emotional level because it's no shock and surprise to them and so many times we just accept this as confirmation of our prayers or confirmation of what God's done and we go on about the business of God and so we look for the next project to move closer because we know we're not there yet anybody understand what I'm saying this isn't all there is in other words to the power of God this isn't all there is to the uh, outpour of righteousness in the earth this is not all there is to what God wants to do my feeling about what we see in the earth right now we see right now especially in this nation uh, people who are doing things that they never thought they we would see human beings do out in the open uh sin is rampant people who are sinners who are steeped in sin are fighting the conviction of their sin all of these marches and demonstrations are are an out this is a reaction to prayers of righteous people this is a reaction to uh prophecy of the will of God this is a reaction so what you're seeing when you see sin abound and people get bolder in their their declaration that they're not going to change when they begin to persecute the church persecute Christians make fun of us ridicule us want to throw things at us that is their response to the conviction that God already has on their hearts that they're in sin uh, abortionists know it's wrong uh, people who get abortions know it's wrong um, uh, people who are in homosexuality know it's wrong and they know it's wrong so they come after the church to try and get out from under the power of the Holy Spirit's conviction on them that that what they are doing is wrong that's why they want to change laws and they can just get some more people to say they're okay then they think they'll feel better about what they do but they never do 
and so we see it get stronger and stronger on them and why is that because God is setting them up for salvation and deliverance he's not setting them up to to go about doing this forever folks this is not going to last and so church the church and people who pray understand these things we understand that's why we don't get upset about marches and demonstrations and we've seen it all before and we see that the counsel of the wicked is always confounded by the wisdom of God and so these things will not last so when you as a believer have an opportunity to make a decision about how you feel about things you better stay on God's side because this stuff is going down you got me the people are not slated to go down there are many people who are going to be delivered out of their sin and get delivered out of their perversion because this stuff never lasts it's been done before at the time that Christ came to the earth uh, paid prostitutes were common in the temples in Rome and in the temples of Greece because they they served pagan gods so if you don't think it's if you think it's bad now it was bad when he came to the earth and it'll be bad when he comes back again but there are people that he has slated for salvation and he wants those people to be saved and so it is the job of the church to continue on our watch to continue to watch and pray if you think these prayers aren't important I've got news for you every prayer that's prayed but the Bible says that God holds our prayers in a basket in heaven did you hear what I said if you don't think it's important for you to pray uh, ask God what's in your basket huh ask him what's in your basket because he's holding us accountable for prayer assignments he's not it's not casual to him you know he doesn't give us too much to do where we can't stop and do our our prayer routine every you know every week he's not giving us too much to do and so if if your life is lacking in anything uh what's in your prayer basket huh what's in your basket and so we we have to understand these things are important to god i'm not saying that your life is going to stop you're going to have a heart attack god doesn't do that to people we just let you go do what you want to do you understand what i'm saying and, and what's worse knowing that you had the opportunity to make a difference in the earth and you didn't do it or do you want to get on the job now let's get on the job now and understand what we're here what we're called to do so god's daily plan for our lives includes all of the assignments that are assigned to our life when he calls you into his kingdom there are assignments attached to the life that he gives you the life of Christ always has assignments attached to it and so if he calls you he has something he wants you to do it's not a request it's a command we serve a God who commands. He's not begging anybody to do. Now I know preachers might beg you to do stuff, or you know, why, you know, let you whine a little bit and try to entice you to do. Oh, this is best for you to do. Well, you know, yeah. but God's not a God that does that. He's a God who commands. So when we respond to the call of God, His plan is set in motion. So from day one that you got saved, the plan of God was set in motion in your life. He set some things in motion for your life. And it is a daily plan to accomplish His will. So at the end of the day, God expects 
that you have accomplished his will for your life. The starting place of the plan is in Proverbs 3 verse 5. We're all familiar with this. It says, trust in the Lord. If you're trusting in God, you have no problem obeying what he tells you to do. With all of your heart. Not some things that you want him to do for you that are on your list. But your whole heart. Give him everything. Give him 110% if you can. It says with all of your heart. And he says don't lean to your own understanding. What you think your life is supposed to be like. What you wanted to do ever since you were a small child. What you think is important. What your parents tell you you're supposed to do. What your spouse tells you to do. You have to lean not to your own understanding. You've got to find out God's daily plan for you. And he says in all of your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. If you acknowledge him in all of your ways. Now what does acknowledge? It means to uh, lean on his lordship in your life. Let him be lord of everything that goes on in your life. And he will give you a plain straight path to get there. It won't be bumps and bruises and a hard time. But he will make your path straight. And direct you in a straight way. He says also, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't try to have all the answers. This is not a contest of who can do something fastest, smartest, or with the most power and be the most flamboyant. Or who has the most members, or who has the biggest sanctuary, or who has all of that. This is not about that. It's not about being wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And guess what? You have health. Obedient people are healthy people. Obedient people are wise people. Obedient people are productive people. They get things accomplished in God. Proverbs 3 is full of the wisdom of God. You know it it talks about uh, honoring him with your wealth. The first fruit. Honor him in everything. Put God first in everything that you do. Acknowledge him every day as the author of the plan that you're to carry out. So the daily acknowledgement of God as the leader and planner. And a commitment to follow him is what we all must do. This is not a romantic idea but it's actual relationship where God gets your ear and allows you to focus and get his direction. So you want to open up every morning your heart to God before you you know get on the phone or before you uh, get up and brush your teeth before you get on the internet and check your Facebook page and see who texted you or whatever you do first acknowledge God. Father I bless you I thank you I I, I welcome you into my life today I thank you that you're my God you woke me up for a purpose today give me your plan give me the first thing you want me to do today and and I will acknowledge you and I expect you to lead me in the right way in a plain path show me what to do and how to do it and once you yield yourself to God and do it on a regular basis it will become first nature to you you know people say second nature but I think it should be first nature 
to acknowledge God carrying out an assignment our life is an assignment your whole life is an assignment and you're expected to carry that out unless you're an outcast everybody is a part of some group you're a part of something this is your assignment to do your part in the group that you're assigned to so God wants you to carry out your part in your family you're assigned to a place in a family some people have double assignments you know you you have if you're an adult and you have uh, children a husband you have an assignment also to your natural family the family you were born into and then you have an assignment in the family that you created your offspring and so many times you have dual assignments the principle when you're married is to leave father and mother and cleave to your spouse as your first obligation so you can't tell your spouse I can't do that because mommy and daddy want me to come do this that and the other you know these things are easily worked out uh, with married people if you'll allow God to work them if there seems to be conflict you'll find God has a simple answer but we have to acknowledge him you can't get stuck in a mindset where you, you have to fight everything no, this is not a fight against flesh and blood. This is a a fight against the the world's ways and, and our personal ways that we want to accomplish. But uh, we have to understand that that uh, your family is your assignment, uh, your your spouse is your assignment, your children are your assignment. We have assignments to accomplish for God in everything. Number one, when when you have obligations, your obligations to fulfill as far as your family members are concerned. Well, the first order is to the spouse and to that nuclear family that you have created there. If you don't have children, your obligation is to that spouse first and foremost. Your Your obligations include a peaceful, harmonious relationship as much as possible with all family members. And I know that's a little tough sometimes. I'm not talking about people in your immediate household. There should be peace in that household at all times. If there's strife breaks out or division or contention, it is easily settled if we'll obey principles of love and forgiveness and caring. God expects us to allow him to care for our loved ones through us. You're the conduit for God caring for that whole household. And he expects you to carry out that assignment. Prayer and care is necessary to keep family peace and harmony. You can't do it without a prayer life for everybody. It, it includes that whole household. God expects you to be a peacemaker and a soul winner in the family. So those are your two assignments. Your peacemaker, your soul winner. And there are certain things that you must do in order to care for that family and keep that family intact for God. The Bible says that a wise woman builds her house, wise woman and man. Foolish one will pluck it down with their hands. And so if we we are in a family and we always want our way or we're never satisfied with what people around us contribute or whatever, whatever, you are in danger of plucking down instead of building up.
So there has to be a balance between working out difficulties and controversies and, and um, uh, differences and also building. So, and, and I don't think anybody that lives in a household should have to uh, live under the tyranny of another individual. I think you can speak up and, and you know, talk about things that you want to see happen, but be constructive about it. Uh, you know, if you, for instance, in my household, I happen to have a, a family living with me. Uh, that's Tippy and Tony and Rachel. And so I'll tell them I said well there's some things that we need to do we need to sit down as a a family and talk about these things and you know some things need to be accomplished Uh, for instance when it's springtime I want to get the porch cleaned off from winter and get all the furniture out and that kind of stuff and so we agree to do it and we agree to get that accomplished and so uh, once we agree on it then somebody's got to enforce it getting done you know from saying (laughs) I'm always the bad guy but I managed to enforce those things because they are important to me for family life they're important to me for harmonious living they're important to me for making my surroundings comfortable I tend to take pleasure in things that are orderly and things that are comfortable you know if I want to sit out on the deck I shouldn't have to go and rumble and find chairs they should be already put out there and cleaned off and assembled etc etc now everybody has different ideas about what they're interested in and so you know sometimes you'll find well they're not as interested it seems as I am or they were interested a couple years ago and that's old hat you know what I'm saying and so you have to kind of ramp up your vigilance on it if you expect it to, to get it done you understand what I'm saying these things are good to work out for harmony and peace in a household somebody has to be in charge somebody has to see to it that things get done we have a what I call a want list it's a a shopping list I keep on the refrigerator and I ask people I said if you use the last something or close to the last put it on the list I hate running out of anything anybody's ever lived in my house will tell you I don't run to the grocery store every five minutes some people don't mind it but I think it's a waste of time and it's often a waste of money and energy I have more important things to do at my time and so if I find that things are run out I say well who used it you should have put it on here let's keep the list going now I've done that ever since we've lived together you understand what I'm saying some people grab it in obedience some people don't think it's important and so when you live in a household you have a perfect right now if somebody doesn't want to do the right want list they should speak up and say it I won't expect them to do it I'll just do it myself but it will get done you understand what I'm saying and so uh, I don't believe that you have to compromise your living standards uh, because you are sharing your living quarters with anybody I think everybody should be able to be peaceful, harmonious, and God knows how to work that out. So if you give these things over to God, you know, and I'll say sometimes, Lord, help them to understand how important this is 
if we're going to manage a household and manage a budget and not waste anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so these are things that you acknowledge God in so that you're not trying to strive with people. You're not having conflict all the time over small things, but they do get done. Many times people who are in charge will just get tired of striving and let them go. You don't have to do that. You can petition to God and say, God, help these people to see how important this is. Help them to see that there's a reason for this and everything. You know, somehow young people think everything is is not necessary. But yet they're bored and they'll go sit on the computer forever and wish I had something to do. And, you know, you have to teach them to change their expectation of how their time's being used. Everybody can use their time more uh, productively and more beneficially and more in tune with harmonious living that God wants us to live. So we need to understand what it means to command a household as Abraham did. In in Genesis 18-19, God gave power to Abraham to intercede for nations because he saw how he commanded his family. The Bible clearly states that if you desire the office of a bishop or overseer in the house of God, there are certain requirements. One of, of, one of them is that you command your own household. You have good control over your household, over your children. And when God sees you're being faithful where you live, he can graduate you and give you responsibility over more people. If you are unfaithful in your household, you will be unfaithful over the household of God. In other words, parents, if you let your kids wear you out, you give them the car keys even though you know it's in their best interest not to do it, then you're not going to be able to govern God's household very well. You understand God wants people who understand godly discipline. And understand what it means to stay with a decision uh, that you have made, especially when it's made by God's wisdom. And so we have to understand how to stand our ground and how to command our families. So in Abraham commanded his family through a pattern that he established in contacting God. You see, one of the statements that is made about Abraham, it says he built an altar to God. Now, if you're a casual uh, person in your relationship with God, you won't build an altar. You know what building an altar means in, in in his day? It meant that he would offer sacrifices to worship God because that was the system. In our day and age, building an altar to God means that you establish a daily pattern of acknowledging God, of contacting God. That's your altar. In other words, you offer up your day to God every day before you get started. It's real simple. You don't have to have a little little punch a candle sitting somewhere and you don't have to have a little closet somewhere. I can remember people when I was and if that's what you you need and that's what you have that's fine whatever you have is fine there's no right and no wrong here but 
I can remember women saying things like, well, I had four kids and I just got saved and I told God I, can, I don't have time to spend quiet time. He said, and, and I would, my quiet time would be in the bathroom, in the shower. Or in the car while I was driving the kids. You can build an altar to God. A place where you know you meet with him. And you do business with him. And, and you acknowledge him daily. And sometimes it's, it's in your bed before your eyes open. You know for me it starts out like that. In the morning I just start worshiping God and thanking him. Or I begin to focus on God. And, and allow him to start ministering to me my instructions for that day. There's not a day that I get up with something else on my mind to do except what God put there. And you'll have to do that as a believer because you will find yourself wasting so much time trying to create ministry and trying to create open doors and trying to create all of these things. And all you have to do is just tell God, I'm, I'm available. What's on the agenda? What, do you, what are we going to do today? How do you want me to do it? From, from time to time during the day, he will speak to you. Go get this. Go buy that. Do this. Do that. Get this for this person. Get that for that person. I can't tell you the time I spend purchasing and ordering things for people that aren't my family. Amen somebody. See when you call yourself a minister and you call yourself a leader you will have to learn that you don't call the shots. Now a lot of people think if, if I let me get my family stuff first well God, God's no respecter of persons. He got your kids in mind with everything that you do. Are you kidding me? But see we want to... Uh, lean to our own understanding of, of importance. I'll hear people say things, uh, God first, family second. Who told you that? Who told you there was such an order in your life? There'll be times when you God will tell you, your family, let me take care of them. You go do what I tell you to do for this person who doesn't know me. Or doesn't have money or doesn't have bread or doesn't have rent or doesn't have, you understand what I'm saying? Your family's fine. If you love and acknowledge them. If you've been not treating them right, then you need to do it. But you can't make up for that. You have to repent of that and ask God to help you to order things right. Your your spouse and your children will express jealousy when they see you doing things for other people. They just do. Expect it. And ask God to help you to deal with it. You don't quit doing what you're doing because they say they don't like it. They can't handle the pressure and responsibility of being your God. So don't you make the mistake of letting them put themselves in that place. You got me? Keep everything under God. Keep everything in order in God. And God will bless and God will help. He will do these things. I know my one of my uh, regrets was hearing a, a very popular minister uh, lament that they didn't understand uh, God being able to make provision for family members. And I spent too much time uh, traveling the world, uh, ministering, and neglected my family. Your family wasn't neglected. If you knew how to pray for them and ask God to make up the difference. You got me? Don't ever regret. You know they look at the results. Well my kid was on drugs and I think it was because I was away. Oh no, 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 no. 
Because if you spend your time regretting the seeds you sowed in obedience to God, doing the best you knew how to do, you won't get the result. That kid will never straighten up if, you, if you're if you sitting in regret and resentment and you're wanting to get that seed back. You can't get it back. But you can go forward in God now and say, God, I don't know why my kid's on drugs. I did the best I could before you. If that was a mistake, please forgive me, but help my kid. You know, I'm not doing any of us any good languishing in the land of regret. Is this helping anybody here? All right. Well, y'all, because these are the day-to-day things we need to keep in mind in serving God. Because if you don't let God help you and you don't accomplish what he tells you to do from day to day, you're going to wind up short somewhere. And you're going to wind up not satisfied with your life in God. And so God has plans. His plan includes everybody in your household. That's not your job to make sure everybody's satisfied. But your job is to walk in obedience toward God and keep your heart pure before all men. So when God talks about Abraham commanding his family, that speaks words of the that means someone speaks words of leadership and guidance to that family. So your job as the head of that household is to lead and guide. Now what do I mean when I say head? In a family, the husband is the head of the wife and they both have responsibility for the children. But in a sense, an intercessor can guide the family as well. So if you're the, the wife in, the, in the, uh, the household, your prayers before God and your obedience to God can help gird up what the leader is doing. And so that gives you a sense of direction and where the family wants to go. So many times uh, women, husbands, and wives will confirm to one another what the will of God is. And, and it's wonderful when it works because you don't have to win an argument you can let that person have the last word and just release it to God and ask God to settle it and and God will settle these things because he understands people and so uh, when we we talk about commanding a family it's through your words and your actions your words determine which way you're going to go when you thank God for for what he's doing for you today, Father, I thank you you're going to use me today. I thank you, Lord, to use me to bring peace uh, where I go, bring harmony in my household, bring uh, uh, prosperity here, bring health here, whatever it is that we need. Uh, I thank you, Lord, you're going to use me to do that. And so set me on the course that you want me to go. Well, you've just spoken words that determine the outcome of your day. You're going to do things that will cause you to prosper. You're going to do things that cause you to increase. You're going to do things that cause you to be healthier. You're going to do things that cause you. Father, if there is is a, a repair needed, I ask you to minimize the, the burden on this household through anything that, you know, anything that comes up in your, your uh, time with God and as he brings things to mind. If you have uh, uh, bills to pay and things on a list to take care of, Father, give me wisdom as I pay the bills you know some of them are are uh, never ending balances let me put it that way you all know what they are the credit cards and the this and the that 
God give me wisdom to know which ones of these and how much to pay. And sometimes God will put you on a plan before you know it. That bill's evaporated. Especially if you haven't bought anything else. Amen. So we, we have to do these things. Acknowledge him in everything. Spouses in a family, God sees you as one. So you must as as much as possible find agreement. Uh, if you can't agree with your spouse, uh, just get peace and let God have it. And say, God, please settle this. I mean, this this seems to be important to the both of us. We can't somehow agree on it. Can you settle this and settle our hearts about it, so forth and so on. And God will pretty soon, he'll show you it's a small thing. I got it. Don't worry about it. Or somebody will come to the other one and say, you know, I thought when I first started, I thought this wasn't a good idea. But more and more, I'm seeing it is okay to do or whatever it is. That God will settle it and give God time to settle it. Amen. Uh, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't carry anger from day to day or you'll get stuck with it. God can only help you get rid of it for so long other than that he's nagging at you and you get to start fighting him. So the Holy Spirit will convict you. But you should apologize. You should ask God forgiveness. Uh, Settle those things but don't let anger go from day to day. Even if if the... the, um, uh, situation doesn't change I think many times we think we can stay angry until it changes <laughs> but the way it works is you stop being angry and then it will change amen because you're still holding on to it if you carry you know that anger and resentment and, and all of that stuff and you know if you ask God to change you he'll change you and you'll be a productive peaceful person even though that situation may not change completely or change very little and very slowly. Uh, but you don't have to sit there and watch it and seethe with anger uh, every time you think about it. You can be a person of peace about it. God, uh, this is very important to me, but I see it's disturbing me. Uh, and I don't want to be your disturbed saint down here. I want to be a peaceful saint. So let me have some peace. There are some things that are very important to people that a spouse will stand against you in your desire to have those things and uh, they they get to be you know tooth and nail sometimes they're not what we call frivolous things or small things i mean it's it's what you make it out to be but it's not impossible and it's not it doesn't have to disturb your peace you can be a, a peaceful person in your mind and your heart and uh, you can uh, be a loving person as well, you know, and, and be sincere in your love. So we don't want to accomplish things out of our own flesh. God wants us to uh, trust him. When God uh, blesses you, let him keep score. You you can't keep a score with somebody else. You can't say, well, I did this the last time. It's time for them to do something for a change. Uh, we all want to dictate everything, but let God keep score. You know, he's the one who watches everything. Uh, you got to obey God no matter what the other person does. Um, he's still holding you accountable to love, to respect, to uh, all of those things. And so it doesn't matter what the other person does. 
Don't let that change your love and devotion to God. Don't let that change your behavior. Uh, let that person um, find their way in God and ask God to help them and help you to live harmoniously with them. And that's, you know, when you do that, God will God will help you. He really, really will. Our responsibility is to say yes to our role in life and lay down our own ideas. That's what you're primarily responsible for. Lay down your negative feelings about things and trust God. God can help how you feel about things. You know, sometimes we something we're we're told to do something and it just grabs us wrong. And you you don't know what to do about it and you'll always have a wrong feeling about it somewhere on the inside of you because you haven't embraced what it is that God has commanded you to do everything will grab you wrong to a certain degree you know if you were thinking you know uh, you know say for instance in a, a church or a ministry setting the pastor may say well I need your help with something and you may be thinking oh I'm going to do something you know real lofty around here and, and it's you know help us sweep the floor or something you think oh well really <laughs> you don't see my gift you know all that kind of nonsense well you sweep your floors at home you understand what I'm saying you everybody has to keep tidy surroundings you know uh, but we get in pride when we have to do it someplace else other than at home and some people at home don't keep their homes tidy because they're just locked in their own pride and you know just don't want to do it some people are just just contrary you know what I mean? They, everything hits them wrong. You know, everything hits them uh, is is uh, offensive. Everything hits them is beneath them, below them. This is not what I'm supposed to do. Uh, God told me when I came here I was going to be this, that, and the other. And well, you're that, but you're that in seed form. You know, we got to let the seed be developed <laughs> through hard work and labor. <laughs> So we must desire to please God in all things. It's, that's what you want to do. And, and uh, you know, uh, our desire, uh, uh, you know, when your desire is to please him, then you'll have peace about everything you do. It won't be beneath you. It won't be not recognizing your greatness and who you are. Uh, it, it will be normal for you uh, to do whatever it is is at your hand to do because you want to please God. I was thinking about uh, some of the our history and our heritage as a church. And uh, we have a rich history in people who have done whatever it took to please God I mean we do and that's that's our true heritage I don't know what we think about what we think church life is all about in this present time but our heritage has been uh, where people would go to remote areas and uh, live in in remote places where there's no roads no water no nothing (laughs) we read the persecuted church those people are living in this day and age and many of them don't have we we've read where they have a little hut and 40 people gathered together just to hear the word there's no light there there's and they stay all night and and because they're so hungry for God's word so our our heritage is that people will do whatever is necessary to get God's 
uh, work established and then when a season comes where they can enjoy the fruit of their labors then they enjoy the fruit of their labors but we can't be beyond uh, getting down uh, to the nitty gritty and getting that work established getting a work established all over again and uh, many of you have seen that we've had to go from uh, one building to the next to thank God we always had a building you know what I'm saying and uh, thank God we've always had an assignment in God uh, many of you don't understand how and why we've been through what we've been through I don't either I just know God tells me to keep going you, you understand what I'm saying he just tells me to keep getting up uh, go and, and, and minister to people go and do what I tell you to do and so if, if you don't understand that about God he has a reason for everything he does I'm not saying that everything that we've been through has been 100% God but as best as I know it has been and so if he leads you into something and there's problems there it's because they were going to be there anyway never told you he would spare you of trouble and tribulation but he did say that you'd overcome and so as far as I can tell we have overcome every challenge that has been placed before us and there's a reason for overcoming Uh, when you look at the condition of the world this world the gospel will not have success with people who don't have an ability to fight and stand and overcome Uh, it's just it won't happen it won't happen the Bible is filled with that you don't see anybody in the Bible who started out uh, with a huge congregation with no problems Moses had the biggest congregation that we know of in the word of God uh, and he had problems with it uh, lots of problems and so there's challenges for us to overcome because uh, the power of God is uh, fought by the prince of this world he's always going to put up a fight against the power of God and so this is something we have to accept and embrace but understand that God has the way for us to be able uh, to challenge this you need to know that as much as God requires of you he does care about you he cares for you first Peter 5 7 tells you cast your care upon God because he cares for you or if you're in a, a family a household a relationship where you think you're the one who's doing all the work I'm the one who has to forgive all the time I'm the one who has to do everything everything uh, you're okay because he cares for you God cares for you Psalm 139.1 excuse me Psalm what did I say 139 yeah <clears throat> It says here, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand up. It's amazing. He sees everything. You even perceive my thoughts from afar. You ever get a goofy thought and automatically it gets put out in your mind? That's because God saw it coming before you even received it as a thought. And he extinguishes it. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) He said, you perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down you are familiar with all my ways God you are familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue you Lord know it completely 
You hem me in behind and before you lay out your hand you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty. You won't be able to figure out everything God knows about you and how he's already made plans for you. I mean, it will blow your mind the things that God has prepared and there are and these are not a surprise or a shock to him when they happen. He's already prepared. It's like people will say things like, Well, you know, I got some bad news from us that listen, God knew it was coming today. He's already made preparation for it. He's made preparation for you to meet that challenge and get your victory. So this is not let's not get in a, a shock and awe and surprise mode about this because God will give you peace, He will settle you in. All you got to do is pray and we'll release it to God and he will give you his peace about it and let you know the next step to take. You don't have to figure anything out. He will let you know. So God looks out for us. He knows all of our ways. He says here, if I go up, he said, where can I go to flee from your presence? Whatever you do, God knows about it. You're not hiding anything. You're not. You're not. Don't be shady, because he's in the shade too. Says if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of hell, you're there too. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light, <laughs> and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. So God knows, sees everything. Don't be fearful, but be trusting. See, this is one more reason to trust him all the more because he's in everything that we do. He knows where we are at all times and he knows how to help us. All we have to do is open the door to that help by calling on the name of the Lord. When we call on the name of Jesus, that name is precious and holy. If you keep that name holy and precious... And understand that you're invoking his presence and his help and his power. He will be there to help you. You got me? Always understand that you can call on him for everything that you need. And he will be there to help you at all times. Psalm 56.3 even tells us what time I am afraid I will trust in you. Even fear cannot separate you from God's love. It can't separate you from his care. He knows everything about you. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. And he chose you anyway. He knows what you will do in every situation. And he decides to trust you all over again. Every time you come to him, he has trust in his heart and trust in his mind. He never disqualifies us from his will. We can always seek the will of God. We can always find the will of God. If you will humble yourself and repent and allow God to just change your mind. God, I thought I was doing the right thing. I said, but don't stay there forever. Don't stay in this uh, explaining yourself mode. Which we all get into. You know, you do something wrong. and First of all, you should tell God you're sorry, but you don't. And you start telling him why you did it. He knows better than you do why you did it. And he doesn't care. Because that's not going to get you where you need to go. 
What will get you where you need to go is humbling yourself to him, acknowledging him, knowing that when you confess your sins, you have been cleansed from all unrighteousness and there's nothing stopping you from obeying God and, and getting straightened out. So <clears throat> so that's uh, in your family. So that's your uh, uh, responsibility in your family, your role in your family, what God, your assignment in your family. When you belong to God, you're assigned to a local church body or local assembly, whatever that assembly is for some people. It can be a local Bible study. I know many times people first get introduced to God uh, and they're invited to come into somebody's home and and somebody there shares the word or something like that. Uh, And sometimes that gets people started because they they don't have church in their minds. They just, you know, somebody might see you have problems and they'll say, "Well, well, I got a group I meet with and we pray all the time and I know God can help you and you go. Sometimes it's a uh, meeting under fivefold leadership and authority and you go there. Joyce Meyer taught in home Bible studies for many years before God gave her her own ministry so to speak uh, but she started where she started. In fact she'll tell you sometimes you hear her testimony about how she smoked cigarettes while she was reading the Bible. <laughs> I wore hot pants and smoked cigarettes at my first Bible studies but she said God sent the people because they were hungry for the word. They weren't getting it where they were in, in their churches and so uh, God has a way to, to meet the needs of the people God will call you to a local fellowship a local church body before we had Sunday services we had the Saturday school of ministry meetings and people came and they got their needs met because there was a minister fivefold minister in charge of those meetings and that was myself so wherever the minister is that's where the church is that's where the assembly is and so you have to understand that God will will draw people and will house them in many different kinds of situations so that he can uh, get needs met. Uh, For some reason we're in a season in the body of Christ and in the church world where people have fallen away again. You have these surges of people into the kingdom and then you have the surges of people falling away you know where they don't bother to assemble anymore and they're not looking at that much Christian television either you know they'll use that excuse well I just watch who I watch on television and then they're real good and all this no something's keeping you from being obedient to God and so that's why we pray for prodigals to return to the house of God because people need to have a spiritual be under authority they need leadership they need guidance they need teaching when Jesus preached he always had people who followed him because they had such a need for for uh, he said they were like sheep without a shepherd and so you don't want to be a sheep without a shepherd you want to always have uh, be under authority and when I say under authority be obedient to whoever God places you with sometimes people feel they can't be obedient in certain places well find some place you can be but when you get there learn that you still got to obey you know some people just don't like obeying and they don't know that but God has a place where everybody can be under uh, spiritual authority if you're not too hard-headed and fight everything they tell you uh, you'll grow 
and you'll prosper and you'll do well. So when you're called to a fellowship, you have a share in the work of the ministry. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 17, you see that very clearly. Uh, This is where the disciples were meeting. They were waiting on instruction from God. I think that is the... The book of Acts will give you a good view of how to set up God's kingdom correctly in in your your realm in your area. You see where the people waited. They didn't go out. They were obedient to Christ's instruction to wait until they received power from on high. So they were obedient to that. They didn't. I'm sure probably some of them went and tried to get something started, but it fizzled out real quickly. But they waited, and when God started to pour out instruction, he set up the structure for the church. In Acts chapter 1, and I think it's what verse 17 about, it says here, verse 15, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, and which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas. So Judas was in the Bible before he was Judas. That just shows you how much God knows about what's coming. He's made provision for it. He didn't stop Judas from being Judas. He let Judas be Judas. But God's work goes on. And he says, <coughs> uh, uh, he, he says, uh, long ago, concert, David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. He had a part in the ministry of the first church. That part still has to be fulfilled. So the part is more important than the person. Let's say it again. The portion or the part of the ministry is more important than the person. People will come and go, but that part still has to be fulfilled. It still has to, those shoes have to be fulfilled. And it says in verse 18, with the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field where he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they call the field the field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. So God will raise up somebody else when somebody has a part in ministry. And that's been being done since the church began. People come and go, but the gospel still goes on. God's always raising up new people to fulfill the Great Commission. People come up to me all the time. Oh, I'm so thankful to be saved and God saved me and he told me he was going to do this. Somebody's always being called up by God to do the place of somebody else who maybe won't fulfill it. Or somebody who feels that they're not supposed to fulfill certain things. I always say if one person won't work, God will get somebody. Somebody else will. Amy Simple McPherson proved that. Uh, you all know the story. She went to a, a camp meeting. 
and she was going uh, just to receive from God she'd heard about the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out in these meetings and she just had to get there and uh, I think it was the first night they asked for volunteers and camp meetings were like that they depended on whoever showed up before they got their volunteers and uh we try doing it it's better to work with people you know make assignments when you can but oftentimes there are jobs that just really aren't uh filled in and so they needed people to help with the cooking and serving of the meals because camp meeting was that just that you came and you camped out the whole time of the meeting sometimes they lasted several days sometimes it was a week and if if God started pouring out and moving to the power kept moving they kept a stand and so they were constantly getting more provision in and constantly uh, uh, making room for God and, and you have to make room for people to be comfortable enough to stay uh, Jesus proved that with the miracle of feeding the 5,000. The disciples said, well, we got to dismiss the meeting early because it's getting dark and we don't have no food for them. Jesus said, you feed them. And if you're a preacher and you're in charge of people, that rings inside of you somewhere. That you feed them is something that we all as ministers need to take responsibility for. Now, I know it's a rare thing anymore. People are just so cold sometimes to God's people, to, you know, from my point of view. You know, you, you know, you get people there and you work them to death and you don't even make provision for them to have a lunch. Well, but you expect them to usher at every meeting. You expect, well, you expect them to go out and find their own food. That's not right. It's really not right. That's not scriptural. It's not the way God's done it. And so at camp meeting... They provided food for everybody. Nowadays it's just the bishops and the ministers. But it should have been for everybody. And it should be for everybody. You don't muzzle the ox who treads out the corn. You make sure God's, these are God's people. You've got to take care of them the way God would. So that's why Jesus said you feed them. It's not my, and you know, don't make them go hungry. You don't send anybody out of God's house hungry. You feed people. And so anyway, in the church, see, I can go on and on about this because it's it's an irritation to me to see this treatment of God's people. As many times, that's why sometimes people don't trust churches. You you see it all the time. I was hurt here and there. They weren't so hurt. They just didn't get much when they got there. You got me? And the the little offense that happened just tipped the scales (laughs) over to the wrong place. So, but we need to understand that there are ministries are portioned out. There are functions and ministries, and everybody has to make sure you fulfill your part. Whatever your part is, you got to fulfill that. So, when God calls you to a local body, you do have a part to fulfill. Many times, you see people competing for certain jobs to do and that's never right you're called to a specific part you don't have to uh, uh, feel like you're in competition to get the best there's no small and big parts there's no good and bad parts there's no little and no big parts it's all parts you got me all parts People look at Judas. He was called to be an apostle. Why did he throw that away? He didn't. He wouldn't have valued it if he was called to do anything else. Some people just don't value it. 
says we must be open to his plan and yield to it it's all about finding out whatever God wants you to do and yield to it say okay God I'm going to do it that's all Judas had to do and he would have been a success story and not a failure God always begins with a seed we always start small and increase as we are faithful so God will start you small increase you as you are faithful what often happens is as soon as we're comfortable with our duties and you get them under your belt then he gives you something else to do he gives you increase either adds to it adds people to your department starts having you train people to do what you do something like that but but oftentimes or you might be comfortable with it for a while and you stay there it just depends on what the needs are if you are you are not overwhelmed you are ready don't ever feel overwhelmed when God gives you something to do you're overwhelmed because you don't know how to just say yes God once you say yes that opens the door for your help and for your plan if you don't say yes and say that first if you want to think about it pray about it mull it over uh, you're not going to get very far God can't give you more till you embrace what he gave you so if you say yes to God once you say yes then that opens the door for him to start to help you so that you are not overwhelmed by what he gives you to do now, many times people can start embracing things and just grab it and put it in a basket with everything else and that's not correct either uh, God has to show you how to organize things into your life how to prioritize and how to get things done so he will help you to finish everything that he has, has assigned you to do Amen. he will help you you'll find the time for it you'll make yourself available for it you won't be pressed for time to do other things or have to squeeze it in you'll have ample time for everything God gives you to do you may not have all the TV that you have assigned yourself to watch but you will have ample time to do it. <laughs> that's usually the rub we got I was gonna go I want to go out to dinner I want to go to a movie you know all the crabbing we do God will get you get to your movie you get and then when you get there you spent what do they charge eight or twelve I've been so long the last movie I was at was a drive-in I was held hostage by three little pre-teenage girls who kept wanting to fill up the free refills on the buttered popcorn I couldn't believe it I said I can't believe I'm putting all this grease and I said I would never check my cholesterol wonder what it is now but they had fun we all had fun anyway but uh, you know you'll get to do all that stuff don't squeeze God your big mistake will be trying to squeeze God and what he's assigned you to do don't don't do that just relax let him put sometimes you have to drop what you thought you were going to do and then God will show you now look at where you are now this is where I wanted you all the time I didn't want you over there doing this or doing that this is where I want you to be and you'll come into a whole new realm of understanding God's providence in your life and how he positions you 
for everything that you do. I can't tell you the times that I've been in a supermarket and knew God wanted me there at that time in that place because somebody needed prayer for something. I mean, it's amazing. And he guides us and directs us without us without making a big deal. It seems like so natural to go and do what you do, but then you look at the result of it and you see God's exact timing in it and positioning you uh, for something important in his kingdom. Then you know how important you are to God to fulfill your assignment. Then you know how important it is to acknowledge him before you get up in the morning and get started. You know, and let God know you're available. Sometimes that's all I say. I say, God, whatever you do in the day, let me do my part in it. Don't let me skip my part. I want to do my part and do what you expect me to do. And God will use you in extraordinary ways. You may have go a whole day without doing what you think is much of anything in God. But you spent time with him. You read your word. You prayed in the spirit a little bit. You blessed your food. You, you know, you did something. You know, you, you got involved in some spiritual, you know, exercise of your spirit man uh, so that you can accomplish more in God. And seek to do more. Always seek to do more. Seek to do God's more for you. Not what you think is more, but seek to do God's more for you. Amen? God never overwhelms us. And you should never feel overwhelmed unless you're trying to do it yourself or you refuse to embrace it. And what I mean when I say you refuse to embrace it is that when you're given something to do, you, it doesn't seem to fit what you think your duties are. It might be an add to. It might be something in a whole different flow or different vein of what you're accustomed to. But you have to learn how to be honest with God and embrace it anyway. Say, God, you know what, This I'm not sure this is what I have a taste for. I'm not sure I can get this done. I, I'm not this kind of person. Or, you know, we like to categorize ourselves. You don't even know what manner of being you are yet. Because you haven't have it all revealed to you in God. But you have to embrace what he gives you to do. You have to embrace your assignment. Yeah, I was I, when I was out in California earlier in San Diego. I was uh, the uh, minister out there. You know, she called me back after we had left and shared some things with me. And she said, "You know, I really was was praying about. Uh, I want to have another women's conference." And she said, "I was thinking about asking you to come out." She said, I, "My budget is." I said, "Well, don't worry about it." I said, "I'll come." Have you ever had words jump off the end of your lips and you want to grab them and push them back in there? But see that I'll come came from my spirit. It didn't come from my head. My head was saying, uh, I'm telling you to pray about it, to think about it, see if your schedule's free. And and I said, I'll move, I'll move room around on, on my schedule to make sure I get there. You know, and, and it's always a weekend. You know, I'm already booked on two weekends. Every weekend I'm booked. Pastor Shirley's always said, you're not here this week. <laughs> you're not here this week. It's like a big sister, little sister thing, you know. Sometimes, you know, I feel that way, but I know it's not. But, you know, she wants me to feel welcome, you know what I'm saying, and all of that. But, you know, you're not here this weekend? No. 
can't split myself and then you got to split yourself three ways and go sit up on an airplane for and see i know when i have to fly somewhere what that's gonna mean in those teeny little coach seats they have it's just enough room for your knees to get in there with no extra room you know and uh, all of that kind of nonsense so i just you know god Come on, come on, God. You know, begging God. But, you know, once you've given your word, you've given your word. And I was basically okay with it after I got there. Thank God Chuck flies for free. And she knows how to get y'all to pray her own in and pray her own out. If you don't know what that means, that means she flies standby. So you got to pray her own in to a seat so she can get there and pray her own out so she don't get stuck in these airports waiting on a free seat to, a seat to be freed up. And so uh, we got there and we set up. Everything's going good except the anointing and the place is making me scream. You know, it's not it's not what I'm accustomed to. It's not prophetic. It's not supernatural enough. People are wandering in their preaching and all over the place. And I'm like, ah, please help me. Get me out of here. Can I get a headache? Can I get <laughs> something improper? Can I get a crutch? And so uh, I, I, my prayer to God when I the first night was God please help this atmosphere I said if you I said and there was a little lady there she was born deaf she had never heard and I looked at her and I said God if you'll let me pray for her and you'll open her ears I'll consider it worth it having been here isn't that horrible it's not worth it God you know how I roll God I rolled in the power. This ain't a power for me. And it wasn't enough for God either. Because he respected my request. <laughs> and so the next day we came in. I was expecting God to do something. Or either I was dragging in my, my cement shoes. But anyway I got in there. and So the Lord gave me a prophecy for the worship leader. She was able to minister the song of the Lord and the atmosphere changed. You know what? Sometimes when we sing the same old songs over and over again, the devil knows how to play in that atmosphere and he'll manipulate that atmosphere through our routines. And so we have to know how to release things to God. God, help us to get this where you need it to be and I need it to be because it wasn't flowing right. And so he helped that atmosphere. And so I was able to, I had 45 minutes, you know, when you have women's meetings in a, a young congregation, they're all excited and all the different speakers and I'm dying because I can't sit through all this, you know, is what I'm saying to myself. But I managed to do it because I don't roll like that. I don't put nine speakers on the People can't handle that, you know, unless they're young people. I mean, this was probably good for them because it was there and they had a fashion show and they had, you know, all the stuff I don't like. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, it's just, that's just me. That's, that's them being honest with you. This is how stuff God assigns you to do will grab you sometimes. 
And if I don't know how to stay peaceful and seek God and go within and find out if this is okay and and how do you fix this and you know we need to get something going on and so forth and so on and so. But anyway, God God honored my disgruntledness. <laughs> I calmed down. I was a good girl. I did my 45 minutes. Didn't go over. And uh, you know, I was able to share some prophecies about the the bride, the the foolish and wise virgins, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of the day, when they were having this big altar call, we're about to dismiss, and I asked the the uh, woman in charge, I said, "Do you mind if I do one more thing before we leave?" She said, "Oh, of course, Reverend Barbara, come on up and good." And uh, I asked her if if I could pray for the, for the woman. The problem was, it wasn't that she hadn't been prayed for. You know, people who have obvious ailments get prayed for by everybody at least 10 times but I noticed that the pastor was signing she had just learned sign because these people got involved in her church and I thought well my god you know what am I doing I'm complaining this lady gone and learned how to sign so she can talk to these people and so God told me to tell her to ask that woman in sign if she wants to hear and she did and he said tell her I'm going to open her ears there's a spirit it's causing her not to hear and you're going to make it leave and, and I'm going to cause her to hear and sure enough that was the last thing God did before the end of the day and he opened that woman's ears and the pastor snapped her finger in her ear she winced and kept ow you know every time she did it and clapped ow and so she could hear and so and I tell you that to tell you this that God will have you embrace things you think are not your job. You don't like doing it. You have a distaste for it. You don't think that's, you know, somebody else left. And that's why you got to do that job and you ain't for it. And so when you find yourself like Messiah, he had to be Judas's replacement. I'm not going to even go there. But you understand what I'm saying. There are jobs that are left because people, the last person that had it disliked it and left it in disarray. And you may have to pick it up and carry it out. But I'm telling you there is a mercy and a grace in God and a dignity in God that he will bring you into when you're willing to do whatever part he gives you to do. Learn how to embrace your assignment. You don't dictate what you want, God. You have no clue what God has on your plate for you. But I tell you this much if you do it, you'll be a happy person, you'll be a peaceful person, and you will be a blessed person. Amen? All right, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for giving us understanding of your word, what we're to do, how we're to function. Father, we want to do it. My prayer for you guys is that you will be mature, because this is spiritual maturity. This is growing up. Like I always tell the young women in the ministry, I'm grown. Amen. God wants us all to be grown. And embrace what we need to embrace. Learn how to embrace what God has for you in in dignity. You know, there's so many times I look out over the people in this ministry and it does my heart good. I said, everybody here wants to be here. Everybody here wants to work. Everybody here is happy in their job as far as I know. And everybody in here knows how to be excellent in what you they are called to do. So I thank God for that. I bless you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let the excellence increase, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.